Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. of the Lord. Would you agree with me today? Amen. Brother Rayleigh, my, my, my. Amen. I will never read that passage of Scripture again the same. I will never think about waiting on the Lord the same ever again. And He is weaving me, strengthening me. Amen. God, help us today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. There's a sweet presence of the Lord. Sweet presence of the Lord here today. And for that I'm grateful. Very thankful. 29 years ago today, January the 14th, 1989, this congregation elected my wife and I to serve as your pastor. And I just wanted to say thank you. Amen. I'm sure you haven't been keeping up with that necessarily, but we have and uh, we appreciate that and thank you so much God's been good to us hasn't he he's brought us a long way and uh, we know what it's like to make a few steps forward take a few steps back know what it's like to stand triumphant and uh, to breathe in a little dust of failure we've rejoiced in good decisions and we've overcome bad ones and all in all God has been good he has been good to us. Praise the Lord. My, my. Amen. Would you give me just a moment today to just feel after the Lord? I just want to make sure that we're doing the right thing here today. Amen. Let's just pray together. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you today. I sure love you today. I sure love you today. I feel your spirit reaching today, God, and I feel, Lord, I feel you're dealing with people and hearts. Praise God. I believe you've honored our focused prayer this morning. I feel conviction in this house. Oh, I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. With the help of the Lord, and I'm sorry, I always need His help. I just kind of feel a kaleidoscope of things in my heart. And I just want to ask the Lord to help me to make sense in that scripture of His Word today. The book of Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. I want to turn your attention there and we're going to be reading, reading a few scriptures here this morning, but whatever you do, let's stay connected to the holy presence of God in this place. The book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 7, the Bible says, And the word of God increased 
And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And, um, you know, time doesn't just always permit for you to kind of go back to the book of Genesis and catch everybody up every time. But the, the word of God had come to fruition, Acts 1 and 8. In Acts 2, they had been tarrying for the power of the Holy Ghost, and it fell. And the gospel began to spread. Amen. And we'll talk about that today. And I, I just want to choose for a subject this, this morning. His truth is marching on. His truth is marching on. I'm glad it didn't stop somewhere in Acts. That it just didn't kind of run down to a drip. And then I missed it. And that you missed it. But his truth is marching on. And the truth that I want to preach about today, marching on, is marching right now in this service. Amen. And the power of the Holy Ghost that fell in Acts 2 is in this house today. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can have it before you leave. Praise God. If you need a renewing in the Holy Ghost, you can get it before you leave. Not because of the songs we're singing or who's holding the microphone, but it's because His truth is marching on. His truth. Lord, I love you. Thank you for your word. And I'm asking you to settle it in our heart here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated in the fear of the Lord. Many passages of Scripture, I didn't want to bring every one of them for the sake of time, but... Acts 24 says the word of God grew and multiplied. You see this common theme as the church began to spread and the gospel began to grow. It was like a fire, if you please. A fire that was raging up a mountainside or burning across a prairie. It was a fire. A fire needs fuel in order to be sustained. And if you just give a couple of elements to fire, just a couple of elements, and it will sustain itself and grow, and it will consume that that's in its path. And can I tell you today that we have the ingredients, and we just need to let the power of God consume us where we are. Acts 19 records, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And so this was not a scripture that was just kind of leaking out and maybe soaking up little corners of, of carpet somewhere, but the power of God was moving. I'm thankful to be a part of the church triumphant. When I was just a young man, I can remember the church had a, a small choir back then, and I can remember uh, one of the songs that we sang was a very popular song in that day, and it was called The Church Triumphant. Amen. And part of the church triumphant, O oh Lord. Amen. That church that's built, amen, by the hand of the Lord. The church triumphant. I see some of you not ashamed to nod your head. You know that. I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring the bewildered looks. I'm just kind of looking at the, those, <laughs> those that are in agreement with me. The church triumphant. And it was built by the hand of the Lord. You see, the church has always had a mission. Always been on a mission. Just before ascending to heaven, Jesus explained that mission. That mission was to be witnesses of Him. 
In Acts 1 and 8, he said, In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so his followers returned to Jerusalem, and, and they waited for the promise of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you something got a hold of me some months ago. I don't remember how long ago it's been now, but I talked about how that when that, when at the ascension on the Mount of Olives, when the Lord commissioned them to go back to the, uh, to Jerusalem, the scripture says they were only a Sabbath day's journey from Jerusalem, just a half day's journey. It was just a short trip from where they were to get back to there. And I have been just trying to, on a rare, very regular basis, thank the Lord that in my life, I was thankful for so many faithful people that were ahead of me, that left a clear and concise path. And so for me to get from Mount Olive to Jerusalem, it was just a Sabbath day's journey. I'm not just talking about preachers, and I'm not just talking about leaders, but I, I, I just early this morning was thanking the Lord again for faithful saints, amen, that were in my life as a young man, and maybe they never held a title or a position, but I'll tell you what they were doing. When the church doors were open, they were walking in, and they were heating up an altar of prayer. They were, they were setting the tone and the atmosphere for church. They were just doing the right stuff. They weren't living one way at church and another way when they were on the job, but they were just, no matter where you found them, they were counted among the faithful. And because of that, it left a Sabbath day's journey for us, for me. And so can I tell you today, I, and in that scripture, there were some that came from as far away as Egypt. And so I will tell you today not to make anybody feel ashamed of your past. No matter how far you had to travel to get to the foot of the cross, aren't you glad you were able to get there? Amen. But to the church this morning, can I tell you, can I reach out to every parent and just admonish you today that the greatest gift you'll ever give your children is not something you can buy with money. It won't be something you can leave them by way of tangible inheritance. But if you'll just shorten the journey amen, of their life, if you'll just bring it down to a Sabbath day's journey, how can I do that, Pastor? I'll tell you how you can do it. When the doors are open, you be there and have them here with you. And when the music starts, don't have anybody try to pump you and prime you to prayer and to praise and worship. What am I doing? I'm not just saving my house. Noah, what are you doing? The Bible said he did this to the saving of his house. He wasn't just saving his own hide, but he was saving his house. And can I tell you that when we when we allow the Spirit of God to touch our mind and our heart, we're not just saving our hides, we're saving our house. And I just want to pause and say thank you to every saint of God, many of which have already gone by way of the grave. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your commitment. You made it just a Sabbath day's journey for us. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. The Bible says that they returned to Jerusalem and they waited for the promise. And after God filled him with it, their, his spirit on the day of Pentecost, they filled the streets of Jerusalem to witness about the Spirit's power in their life. They didn't just get it and keep it in a jar. They didn't just get it and put it on a shelf. 
They didn't just get it and hide it away for a day that you're going to need it. Amen. They boiled out of that upper room, if you please, and they filled the streets of Jerusalem and began to witness about the Spirit of God. Amen. But they understood one thing. They understood that Jerusalem is just where we start. This is just the beginning. This is not the um, end all, cure all. This is not the summary of it all. This is just where we start. In Galatians, the Bible says that Paul called Jerusalem the mother of us all. This is just where we're going to get our beginning. This is just where we're getting our life. However, according to the will of God, the church grew beyond just this Jewish community. Divinely inspired prophets foretold the inclusion of all flesh numbered among God's people. Joel would just be one of those in Joel 2.28 and 29. In Psalm 66 and 4, the psalmist prophesied and said, All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. David understood it long before it ever come into fruition. David understood it long before he could put his hand on it. And David just penned the words, The whole earth is going to worship you. Amen. The church didn't just grow past this Jewish community, but it also grew prophetically past the Samaritan community. In time, the church grew into the Gentile community, and this is where we ought to really say amen and thank God. The prophet Malachi predicted a beautiful Gentile future of worshiping the name of the Lord. Look with me, if you will, at Malachi 1 and 11. From the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be a, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place Place incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, my name is going to be great among the Gentiles. Amen. No one could have wrapped their mind around what Malachi was laying here on the line. The book of Acts records several instances where the gospel entered into the Gentile world. After the miracle of Tabitha's rising from the dead, Peter traveled to Joppa and he stayed in the home of Simon the Tanner. Simon the Tanner. I just want to pause and make a point right here. There's a little bit of irony at play here because according to some uh, writers, one of them being the International Standard Bible uh, Encyclopedia, the Jews looked at uh, someone that was a tanner by profession. They looked at a tanner by profession as an undesirable person because they had an undesirable occupation. At, at a very minimum, a tanner would have been considered to be ceremonially unclean because it's touching something dead. Amen. But he said, I'm going to show you something. I just want to show you what I can do right here. Amen. I just want to show you something. Amen. Peter traveled and he stayed there in the home of Simon the Tanner. He made the way still easier for Simon by choosing his house to abide while he was staying right there. It was in this setting where some would say,
say that is an undesirable profession and that may be a tainted home because of what is going on there, God commanded Peter right here in this house. Amen. He said, I want to show you something. I don't want you to ever call unclean what I have cleansed. Amen. I want to take you to another place in your mind. I got to take you to, you're going to have to step over some tradition. You're going to have to step across some culture. You're going to have to step across some things that may bind you. Because don't call common what is I have already touched and don't call unclean what I have cleansed. Later, Cornelius, as you know the story, received the Holy Ghost while Peter was preaching this marvelous truth. Another instance of the gospel entering into the Gentile community is when the Ethiopian eunuch received the gospel through the personal evangelism efforts, if we kind of use our language, of Philip. While Peter and John were in Samaria, God miraculously sent Philip to the desert to witness to one lone Ethiopian eunuch. Brother Williams, you and I were talking about that Friday night. Amen. Right in the middle of a revival right in the middle of what we may deem great things, what we may have even deemed too important to leave this to go to one. The Lord said, I need you to go over here. Amen. Apparently... Apparently, and I just leave you with this as food for thought. This was, is possibly the very first ethnic convert to the world of Pentecost. And it may be on the basis of that is why he said, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Amen. Here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Surely is it the color of my skin? Is it where? Is it my history? Is it my past? Is it my culture? Can I tell you today the truth of God was marching from Jerusalem. Amen. It was marching from Judea. It was marching from Samaria. Can I tell you this morning that the truth of God's word is not bound by social lines. It is not bound by economic lines. It is not bound by ethnicity. Amen. The spirit and the power of God is to whosoever will let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Can I tell you today it doesn't matter where you've been it just matters where you are it doesn't matter what your past has been it matters only what your future will be I'm thankful for the truth of God that is still marching on praise God <laughs> praise God God was miraculously giving the new church his vision of the gospel reaching to the whole world truth marching on after his conversion Paul began to take the gospel to the entire Gentile world through his missionary trips with both Barnabas and Silas. Certainly, God's plan for the gospel was that it would begin in Jerusalem, but it's not to just stay in Jerusalem. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to a local church is to just feel like it's just right here. We need to kind of keep this all contained, keep these, keep the shades pulled down, keep the doors locked. Let's just kind of let this be an, a little in-house thing. But can I tell you, God never designed the church to be an in-house thing. If it was good enough for me, it was good enough for anyone. If it's good enough for you, it was good enough for anyone. Amen. God is wanting the church to spread to the world. 
God has given mankind, all of us, a free will so that each of us can make the spiritual choices that we should make for ourselves. And we get to decide the spiritual direction that we will take. But to those who choose Him, Amen, He's going to be special among those people. Amen, He is going to be special. In the early history of mankind, Cain had many children that had no desire whatsoever to worship God. I don't know if this was an end result of his failure in the beginning. However, regardless of our ancestry, can I tell you, whether you come from a godly background or a godless background, in all points in between, can I tell you that you today can choose whether or not you are going to serve God. There are some people today that have a great lineage of church. God has blessed them with many generations before them that has that has raised up before them and lived as an example before them. But can I tell you today that you can be the first generation in your family, amen, regardless of your ancestry, regardless of whether it was a good experience or a bad experience. And I'm not trying to minimalize the path that you've been on. What I'm trying to do is underline the fact that you're here this morning, you're in church, amen, you're hearing the truth of God preached, you're feeling the spirit and the presence of God, and the devil would try to say, who are you? You, you can't have this. You're not good enough. But can I tell you the truth of God? It began in Jerusalem, but it started walking in Jerusalem. And when it walked out of Jerusalem, it walked into Judea. And when it walked out of Judea, it walked into Samaria. And when it walked out of Samaria, it kept walking. And it's still moving today. And if time prevails, can I tell you, there's always going to be a church preaching an apostolic message because it's not about us. It's His truth that's still marching on. Praise God. <laughs> you see, God has a when when God has a plan for our life. I'm just gonna do a little sidebar here if you don't mind. When God has a plan for our life, He won't let anything stop it. I was reading yesterday, or this week rather, and went back to it yesterday. And uh, pardon me while I just kind of go old school on you and read out of a real book here. But I didn't think to bring the scriptures. But the Bible's talking about when Joseph was sent to check on his brothers. And uh, one of those pieces of paper I moved out of there was a... A marker, <laughs> and uh, but uh, so I'm just going to have to kind of wing this for a minute. But he was sent to check on his brothers. His brothers were very cynical. Well, here comes the dreamer. But Reuben said, Reuben said, uh, here it is in, in in chapter 37. Reuben said, "Let's don't kill him." It was the voice of Reuben that was the voice of life. And said, so let's don't kill him, but let's cast him in a pit. Amen. And so he said, we're going to, with that, in uh, chapter 37, and I think it's verse 22, that um, 
He said, I'm going to leave him here in this pit. Let me just go there. You mind? Amen. 37, I'll feel better if I can just read it. Amen. They saw him afar off even before he came near. They conspired against him and one said to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit and we will say some evil beast has devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. This was all over jealousy of his dreams. And Reuben heard it. He was the eldest son. He was the one that would have to answer for the decisions that are going to be made right here. Reuben said, she had no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him. Now stop right there. Amen. Now here was the plan of Reuben. The plan of Reuben follows next, that he may rid him of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Reuben was just coming up with a temporary plan. He said, let's just put him in this pit and he's just kind of distracting, creating a little distraction here because what he really planned to do was to come back when his brothers were distracted and take Joseph out of that pit and deliver him back to his father. Amen. Now, something very strange happens here in the Scripture and it came to pass when Joseph was come to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat and his coat of many colors was on him and they took him, cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Amen. They sat down to eat bread, lifted up their eyes and looked, behold, here come the Israelites that were coming, the camels, and they come up with this plan. We're going to sell him and our hand won't be upon on him, he's our brother and he's our flesh. All of a sudden, they kind of get a little warm and fuzzy. Amen. So they're not going to kill him; we're just going to sell him. Amen. And so they they pass by, and in verse number twenty nine, the Bible says, "And Reuben returned into the pit." Now that means that Reuben had to have been off of the scene for just a little while. Now the Bible is silent as to where Reuben was during this interval of time. We don't know where he was. We don't know if he's off taking care of business. We have no idea. We just only know that Reuben returned. And when Reuben returned and he looked into the pit and behold Joseph was not in the pit. He rent his clothes. And then he returned to his brother and he said, where is the child? Can I tell you today Amen. that I believe that Reuben's absence in this particular case was a divine absence. Amen. Because God had Joseph on a journey. God was taking Joseph amen, ultimately to Pharaoh's house. And he said, Reuben, if you mess this up and you take him all the way back home, what you think is going to be right, what you think is going to be just, what you think is going to be fair, then my will is not going to be is not going to be brought to fruition. Furthermore, your family could die of a famine that is destined to come. And I just said all that to say this today. Amen. That sometimes we wonder what in the world during a little bit of absence something went on, something happened, and we thought, oh no, it's all going to be wrong. Amen. Can I tell you that when God has His hand on our life and when He is divinely orchestrating the steps, no matter what we think went wrong, God has it in His hands. We kind of feel sorry. One more sidebar. We kind of feel sorry for the father in this instance, don't we? Because they killed a lion or they killed a goat and they took the blood of that goat and they put it on the coat and then in a very coward-like fashion they sent the coat back to the father. And we're feeling sorry for this poor old father because he's got this bloody coat that has the blood of a goat on it. This is just absolutely free. Be sure your sins will find you out. 
And whatsoever a man soweth that, shall he also reap. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Because in Genesis 27, it was Jacob and Rebekah, amen, that killed two goats to fix the meat to bring to his father. And he said, but I'm a smooth man and Esau's a hairy man. How are we going to handle that? She said, we'll take some of the hair of the goat that you kill and we'll put that on your hand or your arms and that's bound to fool. Can I tell you, amen, be sure that whatever you plant is going to come up in spades. You think, what in the world are you preaching about? I don't know. I just felt inspired of the Lord during the service to mention this today. Amen, that whatever you do, we can feel sorry for him if we want. But it was a reckoning day. In many ways, God was showing him I believe with all of my heart that maybe no one else in this story understood what was going on. But I believe Jacob understood what was going on. This is reckoning day. Amen. This is day that the harvest is coming in. But I'm going to tell you this morning, Reuben, don't think you blew it. Reuben, don't think you missed it. Amen. I got this in my hands. I just feel like inserting that right here today to tell you that God's truth, God's truth is going to remain when the world is gone. Amen. I'm thankful for the spreading of His truth, aren't you? Amen. The Samaritans witnessed the working and the power of the Spirit under the anointed ministry of the evangelist Philip that I mentioned a moment ago. Philip even preached to the Samaritans and demonstrated the faith that the gospel would indeed not just work for others, but it would work for them, whether they were Jewish or not. According to Acts 8 and 6, they believed on the Lord as they gathered. The scripture says with one accord. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Amen. That sounds very familiar. Acts 8 is kind of echoing what was happening in, in uh, the, the beginning part of Acts. They were in one accord on the day of Pentecost. And just like it happened to that new birth of and the beginning of the church, it happened again for them. I just use that today to tell you that I don't think we're getting a different Holy Ghost today. I don't think that we're getting a different power of God today, but I believe the power that fell on the day of Pentecost, I believe the same power that fell then, and the same power that fell in Acts 8, and the same power that fell in 9, and the power that fell any other place that the Holy Ghost came down, is the same Holy Ghost that fell on me when I was a young man, I believe it's the same Holy Ghost that you've got today, we don't have a watered down version, we don't have a second string version, amen, I've got the same power that Simon Peter had, You've got the same power that the apostles had. We have the power of God because His truth is marching on. Amen. Those Samaritans that received the Holy Ghost spake with tongues. Undeniably a great revival broke out among this people from the, from the Jews that even considered outcasts. The apostles at Jerusalem heard about the miracle of Philip's baptizing of the Samaritan believers. They sent two of their most important prominent leaders, Peter and John. Amen. We gotta check this out. We gotta make sure the baptism of the Samaritan believers by Philip and then the receiving of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands of Peter and John. Amen. These were two distinct but divine experiences. Amen. They were just two vital steps in this, in this journey of salvation. This journey was identified by Simon Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. On the day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter quoted, I mentioned 
a moment ago from the Jewish prophet Joel in Acts chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17. Amen. When they said, what in the world is going on this in here? These are not drunk as you suppose, Simon Peter said. This is not a party going awry. This is not someone that hit the rocks or the skids. Amen. But he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Jews and Gentiles, it doesn't matter. I'm going to pour my spirit out and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Simon Peter pointed out that Joel's prophecy had come true. I just love to say it. Amen. So I'll say it again. He said this is that. Hallelujah. This is not something strange. This is not this is not something that we've conjured up on our own, but this is what has been echoing out through the ages. This is what Joel was talking about. Praise God. And it continued to spread upon all flesh. You see, when God chose Abraham in Genesis 12, He intended that all the families of the earth would be blessed through His chosen people. That was God's intention. Clearly, with regard to salvation, God's ways are always to include and not exclude. Always. Prejudice has existed from the time of Cain and Abel until until today. And it's difficult sometimes to get our prejudice out of the way so that God can perform His divine will. Amen. However, God went to great, great lengths to prepare the early believers on their mission to the Gentiles. He never, ever intended that we should just keep this to ourselves. I believe that we are all called to be witnesses, not just the ministers, not just someone who who has a pulpit call upon their life. I believe that we're all called. God intended that all of us would share the world with the world the message of Jesus Christ. At times, the Lord even had to stir the heart of His own to get their attention because it's easy to lose focus of the mission. For instance, God had to show Peter three times just to get him to open his mind past Jewish traditions. Amen. Enough to go to Gentile men in Caesarea. And after filling Cornelius in his household with the Holy Ghost, the Lord calls Peter to speak the truth of this in Acts 10 and 34. While Peter was saying this to others, I believe he was also saying it to himself that God is no respecter of persons. Amen. I I can't speak for Simon Peter today, but I can speak for me. I don't just preach to others. I'm preaching to myself today. So I believe that that Simon Peter was revealing something that had been revealed to him, that God is no respecter of persons. The gospel continued to spread throughout the Gentile population. In Acts 11, watch this with me, Acts 11 and 18, and when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. 
Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and to Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. The church at Jerusalem had sent Barnabas to Antioch, and, and, and it was this man of faith who was sought to go to Saul of Tarsus in Acts 11. God had opened up the Gentile world under the ministry, if you, if you please, of Paul. And so from time to time, we still, I use that example just to say this, that from time to time, no matter what we know, we can lose focus of the mission. And we can do that individually or we can do that corporately as a church. And we can think that, I know we would never plead guilty to saying it's just for us four and no more, but sometimes our minds get pretty narrow. And we underestimate what God may, able to, may be able to do through the life of the next person who walks through the door of this church. No matter how many scars, no matter how many mistakes, no matter how many blunders, God can take their lives and mold them. Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians to come if they will. The gospel knows no barriers, whether that barrier is, barrier is geographical or whether it's cultural. Whether it is social or whether it's economic. God desires that the church would reach all the people of the world with the truth. I just will say today how grateful I am for the generous and open-minded heart and, and, and spirit of this church. I'm thankful to be connected to global missions and to know that we're investing around the world into lives and ministries that are making a difference. I mean, I'm still kind of rocking and reeling just a little bit from the report of Brother Brad Thompson about all the Bible schools that are being built and, and they're expanding because they understand this is how we win people and that is to train the people that are here. And so we're going after the juggler vein. We're going after the heart of the matter. And I'm grateful to be a part of that. But I'm also thankful to be a part of a movement that understands that we can't just build churches overseas and let our own nation die by the wayside. And so we are investing in, in our North American missions because we understand that the need here is just as great as it would be anywhere else. And by the way, I just want to say thank you because of your generosity in the month of December or the several weeks leading up to that, that our Christmas for Christ offer, we're going to be able to send $6,000 in for your giving, and I appreciate that. You can just give yourself a hand for that. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for your giving. So from Jerusalem, where God filled the Jews, to Samaria, to the Gentiles at Caesarea, the Lord moved the gospel with people who were willing to preach it everywhere. His mission, I believe, is none, not any different today than it was then. The gospel works wherever you preach it. Wherever you preach it. It is a shoe that will fit any foot. 
Just tell it. You can tell it in line at a grocery store. You can share it with someone that you're working with. You can tell it because it's the truth. It's the truth. On Sunday afternoons as we stand together, on Sunday afternoons when the lights of this assembly are turned out, musical instruments are folded away, it's not over for us. During our corporate service, we were able to reach those that could come to us. But when we're not in this building, we're trying to busy ourselves going to those who can't get here. And so people will go into nursing homes and assisted living facilities or to some of our own families who are shut in through extended illnesses and things of that nature. And they will break off a little piece of themselves or take a little piece of this service with them. They'll touch the lives and the hearts of those that are behind bars because you see the gospel works. The gospel works. We have records, I don't have them with me today, but scores of men and women have been baptized from behind bars. Some of them are coming home one day, but some of them are home. Amen. But you see, God can sustain them from on that side of the fence, just like He can sustain us on this side of the fence. Why? Because His truth marches on. (laughs) His truth marches on. Whether we are reaching someone and reaching for someone in New York City right down in this metro area or in Tampa or Miami or whether a missionary is traveling as far as they can by car and then walking for miles. When you get to the top of that mountain, the gospel still works because His truth is marching on. His truth is marching on. Amen. I think we ought to just entertain the presence of God right here. Amen. I believe that we ought to believe the Lord right now for demonstration. Not just His Word, but the demonstration of His Word. And can I tell you again today that whatever your need may be, you can have that need fulfilled. If you need the Holy Ghost, this is a great day. This is a great day. If you need a renewing of the Holy Ghost, this is a great day because His truth is marching on. If you need God to make sense of his word in your heart and in your mind talk to him about that his truth is marching on his truth is marching on thank you lord let's magnify him in song let's lift our voices can we do that together magnify the lord in this house thank you jesus thank you jesus no place there's just no This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. 
For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.